just like that, another year is coming and going, and we're celebrating New Year today and New Year's Eve. People make a big deal out of New Year's Eve and day. They they call it a fresh start. Uh, in actuality, we have at least as many as 365 fresh starts per year, if the Lord allows it. One a day, and often many more than that. And while with every day comes the fresh start, it would be better if each day we built momentum in a specific and determined direction, just like a runner running a race to the finish line. As resolute Christians entering the new year, or simply another day, our resolution should be to surrender ourselves each day to the Lord's will and to pursue an ever-deepening relationship with Him. In the third chapter of his letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul used his own life as an example to teach that important truth. As a runner, once upon a time, I know that you don't begin your race on the track, but in the daily discipline of training. In verses 13 and 14 of Philippians chapter 3, Paul used a runner's metaphor to describe his life of faith. He said, Brethren, I don't count myself to apprehended, but one thing I do... Forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As I consider his words, I think of Jesus as the leader in our race. He's well out in front of the rest of the runners, and it will take everything Paul or anyone else has to keep, even keep up with him, or even keep him in sight. This is the impression that I have of Paul. He's in the race and on the track in pursuit of Jesus, and he is committing and committed to pushing himself beyond yesterday's accomplishments to reach the goal and finish his race well. Part of the discipline of training for a runner is removing things from his or her life that would hinder them from running well. In chapter 3 of his letter to the Philippians, Paul points out some of the things that could hinder them from running well and frankly could, could hinder us as well. One of the things he points out in verses 2 and 3 is that we ought to beware of people who would pull us away from the Lord. He said in verse 2 and 3 of chapter 3, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Paul warned believers to beware of false teachers who would try to draw them back to their former faith as Jews or who would try to add something to the grace of the gospel truth of salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Such had been the case at Galatia. In Galatians 1, 6 and 7, Paul wrote, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. How could it happen that they were so moved away from the gospel truth in Galatia? The pressure on un unbelievers inflicted by the people around them, family and friends and false teachers in the form of persecution and false teaching was one of the reasons for their defection from the gospel. Making this personal. Are there people in your life who are calling you away from faith in Jesus Christ to your former way of living? Is the desire to get along in the world around you leading, leading you to compromise the biblical truths you know? Before I move from this point, I, I want to stress that I'm not saying you are not to associate with unbelievers. In 1 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10, Paul wrote, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly didn't mean with the sexually immoral people of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, 
or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. How can we get the gospel out if we don't associate with those who have yet to believe it? But we are called to cease associating with believers who are living in open sin. And we are called to avoid and beware of false teachers who twist the word of God to make it say what God didn't intend it to say. Beware of such as these who inf whose influence may pull you away from the Lord. Secondly, we should beware of attitudes which, which, which would pull or keep us away from the Lord. In verses 3 through 6 of Philippians 3, Paul wrote, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Jesus Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. As you may know, Paul's words here were a short list of his personal accomplishments. Some might call them prideful accomplishments, which in light of his faith in Jesus Christ became meaningless to him. As I studied this passage, it was made clear to me that the things which Paul referred to as being behind him in verse 13 were not only the mistakes, sins, and missteps that he may have made in his past, but also the privileges and accomplishments of his past, such as are listed here in verses 3 through 6 and in 2 Corinthians 2, 22 and 23 and following, where he he found himself defending himself from his accusers. There he said, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes oft above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Paul came to realize that to be confident in one's abilities and accomplishments is a hindrance to both relationship with and usefulness to the Lord. In our focal passage, we see two other attitudes which would pull us or keep us from the Lord, a careless approach to spiritual life and a sense of spiritual perfection. Both a careless approach to spiritual life and a sense of arriving at a spiritual perfection are two sides of the same attitude of spiritual self-satisfaction. An attitude which Paul knew was the grave of progress for if you think you have apprehended spiritual perfection or you really don't care to improve upon yesterday, you have stopped growing. Are the attitudes of pride, carelessness, and spiritual perfection pulling you or keeping you from the Lord? Thirdly, we ought to beware of behaviors which can pull us away from the Lord. Not just attitudes or people, but behaviors which can pull us away from the Lord. Verses 17 through 21. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. A few other times in his letters, Paul encouraged believers to imitate or follow his example of conduct, as he also imitated the Lord. We find that in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Even though Paul admittedly, see verse 12, hadn't, 
arrived and wasn't perfect. He, he did walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5.16, and in so doing, avoided the lust of the flesh as identified in verses 19 through 21 of Galatians 5, where it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul called every every believer, he called all believers to follow his teaching and way of life. He also called believers in Ephesians 4.22-24 to put off, according their former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the, deceit, to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Are you doing things in your life that are contrary to the Lord's wishes? Slowly but surely sin can creep in and choke a believer, keeping him or her from closer walk that the Lord desires to have with them. In addition to removing some things from our lives that hinder us in our spiritual race, we must also focus on some things that will make us better runners. One of the things we ought to focus on is knowing Jesus better. Paul wrote in verses 8 through 11, Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. This passage gives some people a hard time with phrases like, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, or that I may know him, and, and if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. They wonder what Paul meant. Could he be saying that he had yet to gain Christ, that he had yet to have the righteousness of Christ, or that something yet remained to be done in order for him to qualify for the resurrection from the dead? No, Paul had already come to faith, been made righteous, and been qualified for the resurrection through faith in Jesus Christ. If anything, Paul wanted to be more than the run-of-the-mill believer. He wanted to walk the same path as the Lord, even up to suffering for him as a martyr, some would say. As we have already said, Paul wasn't satisfied with his spiritual life. He wanted more. He wanted to know the Lord better and in, in a practical and literal sense, and he set his mind on deepening his connection with the Lord. Do you desire to know Jesus better? It goes without saying that regular devotional time as well as serious Bible study is a good place to start. Prayer, journaling, and living out your faith all lend themselves to knowing Jesus better. It all begins with a genuine hunger for an ever-deepening relationship with the risen Lord. It's a new year, a clean slate and a fresh start. We've never been here before. Otherwise, it's another day that the Lord has given us, another day to rejoice in the Lord. Have you let people, attitudes, behaviors, or a lack of Christ-centered focus hinder you in your spiritual life? Have you experienced a lull in your spiritual growth, either through contentment or carelessness? 
The fact is that for the believer today, the day you trusted in the Lord, you passed the starting line in your spiritual race and you're still on the track. The hindrances have slowed you down. Some things may have slowed you down. The lull in this race may have you even sitting on the track. You might be sitting on the track now, not even running. But you're still in the race. Get up and run. Remove the hindrances to your spiritual relationship and growth. Ask the Lord to help you and then press on. You know, I share this with you as I prepare to close this evening and go on to spend some time with my wife as we bring in the new year. A couple of weeks ago, I had a an injury I suffered after I prayed. You see, uh, the world that we live in and uh, so many things confound and confuse and upset us. And they make us bitter and frustrated and they cause us to act in ways that are not Christ-like, that are not mindful of those that Jesus died to save. And uh, I prayed that God would do whatever, whatever he needed to do, whatever it would take to reset me. And that night I landed on my head from a four-foot drop and fractured my skull and bled out of my ear and had my bell rung real good. And, and here I am, I'm realizing that God answered my prayer. I asked him to help me, and now I'm pressing on. He reset me. He got me to thinking, and he spared my life. Guys, this, uh, I, I end this. I, I encourage you to make this day the day you got up, and you never look back. You never look back at your failures, and guys, that you never look back at your accomplishments. It's great to have achieved things, but we're pressing on. You can't press forward if you're looking back. Let me read a poem to you and then I'll, I'll end tonight. It's titled Just One Request and it's an anonymous donor. Dear Master, for this coming year, just one request I bring. I do not pray for happiness or any earthly thing. I do not ask to understand the way thou leadest me. But this I ask, teach me to do the thing that pleases thee. I want to know thy guiding voice to walk with thee each day. Dear Master, make me swift to hear and ready to obey. And thus the year I now begin, a happy year will be, if I am seeking just to do the thing that pleases thee. The Lord bless you all as you enter into this new year, and I hope you'll come back and listen again and join us again for our continuing work to try to share the gospel and the talk about the truths that we find in Scripture on the text messages. Have a good night.